Suffice to say, if there was a goal in human design, it would be to know, accept, and to love your true self. I want you to keep in mind that there is no good or bad in human design. It's not about becoming more of what society told us is good or avoiding what society told us is bad. This is simply about unbecoming the version of you that conditioning told you to be in order to reveal the true self underneath the mask. That's your only goal, is to be yourself. Welcome to Lit Up AF, the podcast that helps you create a life that lights you up. I'm Jenny Rose, your average 30-something millennial who spent years following the conventional roadmap to success until one day I looked around and realized I was burnt out, uninspired, and living a life that was out of alignment with my dreams and desires. So I threw away the old roadmap and now I'm following my own inner compass as I create a life that leaves me feeling lit up as fuck. I started this podcast because I know that I'm not the only one who did all the right things yet ended up feeling trapped in a life meant for someone else. So if you're feeling stuck, consider this your permission slip to throw out the old roadmap, tune into your inner compass, and create your unique version of happiness, even if it doesn't make sense to those around you. Join me here each week for a dose of inspiration, encouragement, practical advice, and honest conversations with others on a similar journey. Let's dive in. Hello, friends. Welcome back to Lit Up AF, the podcast that helps you create a life that lights you up. My name is Jenny Rose. I am the host of this podcast, and I am so freaking excited for today's episode. You can probably hear it in my voice. Uh, You might also notice that I have a little bit of a nasally voice going on. If you listen to last week's episode, then turns out my little juice shot that I was talking about, the little zinc and vitamin D juice shot that usually saves me whenever I feel like I'm getting sick, did not save me this time. I've had a cold for about a week, but I'm feeling much better. And this podcast episode, it couldn't wait. We are finally ready to dive into talking about human design. For those of you that don't know about human design, and we are going to dive into this at length in this episode, human design is a fairly complex system for spiritual awakening. And I spent a year studying human design in the Human Design Coaching Academy. And so I have really extensively studied this. I've done a lot of reading a lot of studying, but it is a fairly complex system. And it's one of those things where there's so much misinformation out there on the internet about this that I just really wanted to make sure that before I started to talk about it on this podcast that I was doing my due diligence because I really want to make sure that I am bringing you information that is valuable and is clear and is accessible and is also accurate to the system itself. So it felt a little bit like a daunting undertaking. And as somebody who was also just brand new to podcasting in general, I wanted to take a little bit of time to get comfy cozy on the podcast here. But I have taken that time. It's been a couple of months since we first launched the podcast. And I just felt in my gut that it was time to finally start talking about human design because it is one of my favorite topics to talk about. I'm so sorry to all of my friends and acquaintances who have heard me talking about it, maybe against their will sometimes when we've like gone out to dinner and hung out because I just think that it is such a cool system for learning to understand who you are and who you came here to be 
And I just think that we could all really, really benefit from that information. And so for me, human design truly changed my life. It helped give me the permission to be my unique self and to stop comparing myself to other people. Because the thing about human design is it is all about your unique human design, who you came here to be, what your energetic blueprint is. And it's not about becoming more of someone else or something else. It is about deconditioning and going back to the truth of who you are, who you were born to be before we all had societal pressure and conditioning and family conditioning and the education system and all of those different influences tell us who we were supposed to be. So if that sounds like something that you are interested in learning about, stay tuned because this is the first of a multi-part series of episodes that we're going to be doing on the Lit Up AF podcast that focuses on learning human design as a beginner so that you can feel empowered to read your own chart. This episode is going to be a little bit of a doozy. I don't typically script my podcast episodes. I usually have some bullet points of what I want to talk about before I go into the podcast episode, and then I just kind of see where it takes me from there. However, I have a full-on script for this podcast episode because, again, I really wanted to make sure that all of the information that I was bringing you was clear and accessible and We have a lot to cover and it would be very easy to ramble otherwise. And so I really just wanted to script this out. And the script is 15 pages for this episode alone. So going into it, I am going to try to make quick work of it so that we can keep this episode to a digestible length. But I'm going to keep an eye on the time. And if it turns out that we might need to split it into two episodes just to make sure that it is not too unwieldy then I might do that, but we're going to play it by ear. Couple of things to keep in mind before we actually dive into the nitty gritty here. First of all, if you have not listened to the episode before this, episode 12, I highly recommend listening to that episode first because it's a little bit of an introduction to the idea of passenger consciousness. We'll do a quick recap of that on this episode as well, but I think it's still very beneficial to go back and listen to the previous episode just to get that little bit of a foundation. Something else to keep in mind, and I did mention this in the previous episode as well, so maybe you've already done this, but it's going to be very, very helpful for you to grab your own human design chart before listening to this episode and having that visual next to you to help you follow along because it is a very visual system. You'll see all of the information laid out in the body graph for you. That's what we are going to be talking about at length today. And so you're going to want to have that handy. I will put a link to this in the show notes, but I really like to use the Maya Mechanics software. I have the paid version because as a human design coach, I have a lot of people's charts saved, but they do have the ability to look up a chart for free, I believe, if for whatever reason you don't want to use Maya Mechanics and you have something else that you'd like to use, just search free human design chart. There's tons of resources out there for getting that information, but it is going to be very, very important for you to have your birth date, time, and location. It's very important to have your specific birth data in order to do this because it is your unique chart and it would be a real shame to have a chart that is not actually your own because you didn't have the accurate birth time or something like that. So I do really recommend having your chart by your side and looking at that as you go through the episode. If you don't know your birth time, 
but you're still really curious and you want to listen to the episode, you can always pull up the human design chart of your favorite celebrity just to kind of like learn and follow along. Totally up to you, but I definitely recommend having your chart if at all possible. And lastly, I'm going to give you a quick overview of what I am currently planning on covering in the multi-part series, just so you kind of know what it is that we're going to be doing in this episode and where we're going to be going from here. So this is my plan. It is subject to change. Definitely going to depend on how much interest people have for different things. And I've been polling my Instagram audience on the Lit Up AF Instagram. If you're not following along there, you can go to Lit Up underscore AF over on Instagram. I like to ask people questions in my stories. And I've already gotten some really interesting questions from people about human design that I plan to do in a Q&A episode at the end of this series. So shoot me a message over on Instagram if you have a question that you want to ask. I'm going to be putting out the call for questions over the next few weeks in general on my social media just to make sure that I'm really building up a nice little roster of questions that I can answer for people on a future podcast episode. But this is the plan as it currently stands. Today, we are going to be talking about the nine centers and how energy flows through the body graph. I'm also going to cover human design at a very high level in this episode, just like what is the system, where did it come from, all of that, just so you have that foundational knowledge before we dive into the nine centers. Next episode, we're going to talk about authority and how to leverage your authority for making empowered decisions that align you to your specific life path. The episode after that, we are going to talk about the human design types and strategies. So exploring the different human design types and their strategies for moving through life free of resistance. If you have done a little bit of dabbling into human design, you might already have some of this information. This seems to be a lot of the information that people go to first. The types are generator, manifesting generator, reflector, projector, and manifester. So you might already have that information, but we're not going to cover that until the third episode because it's actually really, really important to understand some of the more foundational pieces in order to really understand the true value of knowing your type and your strategy. So we're going to save that for episode three. Then we're going to dive into definitions and energy dynamics. So this is going to be how you process information and also how you interact with others. Then we'll talk about circuitry, which will give an overview of circuits, channels, and gates. And then we will talk about profiles. So there are 12 profiles in human design. For example, I am a 5-1. So your profile is going to help you embody your unique role in life in order to live out your purpose. We are going to save that for episode six. The way that I have laid out this information is intentional. We want to make sure that we are building on the foundations. And this seems to be the best way to put our building blocks in order so that you really can grasp the depth of this system and the value of your chart. Now, at that point, if you guys are so sick of hearing about human design, then we'll switch it up and we'll do something completely different. Or if it turns out that you guys are really having fun with human design and you want more human design content, I have a couple of ideas on the back burner that I would like to do, like a Q&A episode, a live chart reading of me reading somebody's chart so that you can see what this looks like to actually synthesize all of this information together. Um, we'll probably cover some of this a little bit in some of the other episodes that I already have planned, but 
talking about partner charts. This is one of my personal favorite things to read and understand is like seeing how your design interacts with the design of another person. So you can pull up a partner chart. This is also something you can do like a penta chart, for example, is like if you have three or more people. So if you're like a little family or something like that, it definitely gets more complex the more auras that you add in. But just in general, these are some ideas for where I am planning on taking this series. And I would seriously love to hear from you over on Instagram if there's something else that you would like to see or something that you want to make sure that I cover for you in one of these future episodes or just a question that you want to have covered in the Q&A episodes. So again, connect with me over on Instagram at litup underscore AF. I'm always happy to hear from you. Shoot me a DM or respond to any of the stories that I have, asking questions, et cetera, et cetera. Let's dive in because we do have so much to cover. I'm so excited. Can you tell I have brought my favorite Dunkin' Donuts order to this episode. I've actually cut way back on caffeine. You probably would not believe that because I feel like I'm speaking a million miles a minute right now. But my go-to Dunk's order is a large decaf iced latte with almond milk because I'm trying to cut back on caffeine for health reasons, but I just can't shake my Dunk's habit. And I am a mass hole at heart and we love Dunkin' Donuts in Massachusetts. We just do. It's how it is. So I'm going to let this coffee-flavored, sugary almond milk fuel me through this episode, and I can't wait. Grab your notebook. If you want to take some notes, grab your chart, and let's do this. Wait, just kidding. The Jenny Rose of the future is coming back to insert one more little message before we truly dive in. I got to the end of the episode and I realized that it is jam-packed with information, which is fantastic, but that does make it a little bit dense. And so to make it easier to digest this episode, I have a couple of resources that I want to let you know about before you truly dive in. So firstly, I'm going to make sure that there are timestamps in the show notes that let you know when we are going to be talking about the different centers in the episode. So I recommend listening to this all the way through once, but then if you do want to go back and skip around and re-listen to certain portions, the timestamps will be super helpful for that. Also, I have made a companion blog post on my website, litupaf.com, that summarizes some of this information into a visual format and includes a little PDF download that you can grab if you would like that summarizes this information and gives you a space to take down some notes. This isn't necessary, but it will be helpful for you to refer back to at any point instead of having to re-listen to the episode and hopefully will help you to take down the information that is truly valuable to you so you can reference it at a later date. I will make sure to include the link to the blog post where the download is in the show notes, or you can just go to litupaf.com and find it there. Okay, let's dive into the episode for real this time. So let's start at the beginning by talking about what human design actually is. Human design is a system for spiritual awakening, and it was channeled by a man named Ra Uruhu in 1987. And Ra taught extensively on human design until his death in 2011. And so this is a synthesis of ancient and modern sciences, including astrology, the Chinese I Ching, the Hindu Brahmin chakras, the Kabbalist tree of life, and then the contemporary disciplines of quantum mechanics, astronomy, genetics, and biochemistry. I do want to make it very clear that this was channeled in the late 80s. And so this information is 
very recent and is not as open to interpretation as a lot of the older systems like astrology or the Chinese I Ching that were created many, many millennia ago. This information came to us within the last several decades. And so it's really amazing that we have all of this information written down and accessible to us. And all of the information that I described, astrology, Chinese I Ching, the chakras, quantum mechanics, astronomy, et cetera, et cetera, this information is all laid out in what is called the rave body graph. You'll hear it referred to often as just the body graph or as your human design chart. So when I told you to look up your human design chart, the body graph is what you're looking at here. And what does your chart reveal? Your chart reveals your unique genetic design. So think of this as your energetic thumbprint. There is no one else in the world exactly like you. Somebody asked me a really interesting question on Instagram, which is if you have a twin, do you have the same human design? And the answer is no. Your human design might be very, very similar because, of course, you're going to have the same birth date and location and your time is probably going to be very, very close together. However, how this expresses itself in you is still going to be very unique. The human design system goes many, many, many layers deep, which we're not really going to go too deep in the foundations. But suffice to say that there truly is no one else like you. Statistically, there are so many possible expressions of a human design chart. So it truly is unique to you. And the value of this is that it provides you with the tools that you need to live an aligned life in the form of your strategy and your authority, which when combined is going to eliminate resistance and allow you to make decisions that are correct for you and your energy so that your life purpose can unfold organically. So having a strong understanding of the foundation of your unique energetic blueprint is going to really help you understand yourself and remove the resistance in your life to help you be the person that you are here to be. Your chart also maps out your relationship dynamics so that you can better understand how your aura is going to interact with those of others, including different attraction and conflict points. This is one of the things that I was talking about before about reading a partner chart, for example. So these are just a few of the things that your chart reveals. And again, it goes so many layers deep, but there is so much information and wisdom to be uncovered in your chart. So before we dive into the nine centers, which is the primary focus of today's episode, I do want to define some vocabulary because this is really going to help you to grasp the concepts that we're talking about in this episode. We'll start with the authentic self, which is also called the true self. And what I mean when I say authentic self or true self is the purest, most natural version of you. Free of the layers of conditioning that we have all been subjected to, you can also think of this as your purpose or your destiny, the person that you were born to be. On the other side of this is the not self. And the not self is the conditioned programming that masks your true or authentic self. The deeper that you get into living your human design experiment, we always call it an experiment because you are here to play with your energy and see what works for you. But the deeper you go into living your human design experiment, the more aware you become of your not self. Rest assured that your true self is always there. It's just 
concealed behind the not self. And ultimately, living your human design will naturally align you to your true self. Living from the mind is what often leads you into the not self and will introduce resistance in your life. So we talked a lot about conditioning in the previous episode on episode 12, but we'll continue to dive into that in today's episode. But suffice to say, if there was a goal in human design, it would be to know, accept, and to love your true self. I want you to keep in mind that there is no good or bad in human design. It's not about becoming more of what society told us is good or avoiding what society told us is bad. This is simply about unbecoming the version of you that conditioning told you to be in order to reveal the true self underneath the mask. That's your only goal, is to be yourself. This process is called deconditioning, and it's a slow process because it is a deep one. It is said that life moves in seven-year cycles since it takes roughly seven years for all of the cells in your body to be renewed, and the same can be applied here in human design. It's a journey. It's not meant to be rushed, but you can begin understanding and aligning to your human design today as we dive into today's topic, which is Again, all about the nine centers in the human design body graph and how energy flows through them. But before we dive into the nine centers, I want to talk a little bit about how we went from seven-centered beings to nine-centered beings. So for a very long time, human beings were seven-centered beings, which aligns with the seven chakras in the Hindu Brahmin chakra system. However, when the planet Uranus was discovered in 1781, this marked an entry into a new era where human beings were evolving from seven-centered beings into nine-centered beings. So all of us alive today are nine-centered beings, but it was not long ago in human evolution that we were all seven-centered beings. Seven-centered beings had to focus on survival by relying on their mental awareness and the strategic mind. This was how Homo sapiens operated for the vast majority of our species' existence, which explains why to this day we still struggle with letting the mind dominate our decisions and actions. We talked about this a ton in the previous episode about how we want to live from the body and not from the mind. So we will, of course, dive into more of that today. But this does explain why we struggle so much with this, because for the vast majority of Homo sapiens' existence on this planet, we were driven by our mental awareness, but we are more highly evolved beings now. But when we evolved to nine-centered beings, we were able to move away from those base needs for survival, and rather than rely on the mental outer authority of our predecessors, we are now designed to operate from our inner personal authority, which we are going to go into great depth into next week. But I make this point to illustrate why there are nine centers in human design, because people who are familiar with the seven chakras will inevitably be wondering why there are nine centers instead of the seven that they are familiar with if this system is based on the Hindu Brahmin chakra system. So in other words, the seven chakras were accurate for the time at which the chakra system was initially developed and perceived, but human beings have simply evolved since then. So. With that in mind, let's dive into the nine centers. If you take a look at your body graph, you will notice that there are nine large boxes and triangles that you will see in the center of the body graph. The numbers within each of those centers represent gates 
And the roads that are connecting the centers to one another are called channels. We will be covering gates and channels in a later episode, so let's just focus on those nine centers for now. The nine centers are energy hubs that transform life force energy as it flows through the body graph. Each center has its own distinct function within the body graph, which we're going to be talking about a lot today. And if the center is colored in on your chart, then it is what we call defined. If it is not colored in or appears white, then the center is open or undefined. Most people are going to have a mix of defined and undefined centers, though roughly 1% of the population will have all of their centers undefined or white. We'll cover that in a later episode when we talk about the types in human design, but for now, I'm simply trying to anticipate some of the questions that are immediately going to come to mind for you as you look at the chart. And the first one that people usually ask is, why are some of these colored in and some of them are not? That's your definition and your openness. Please keep in mind, again, there is no good or bad in human design. I really want you to hear me on this, and I'm probably going to repeat it a bunch of times in this episode and the future episodes. I find that sometimes people perceive having more definition as better, but that is not the case. Where you have definition in your chart is where there is fixed energy that is reliable and consistent. The white centers where you have no definition, they are not broken and they are not empty. They don't require fixing. They are, however, the places where we're going to be more vulnerable to influences outside of ourselves or conditioning. So this makes them very valuable learning opportunities. In other words, where you are open in your chart gives you insight into the areas that you could potentially be most subject to conditioning and therefore drawn into the not self. Think of your definition as your gifts and your openness as the areas where you are meant to develop wisdom as a student of life. Both are equally important and valuable parts of your design. It's also worth noting that our auras are constantly interacting with the auras of others around us. So it's important to understand the mechanics of definition versus openness when considering how our designs impact one another. For example, definition in person A's aura is going to place pressure on the same area of the chart that is undefined in person B. Person B's openness in that area amplifies the definition of person A. We're going to talk about this a lot in depth as we dive into the center so you can see how this energy plays out for you depending on whether you have an undefined or a defined center. It's also good to keep in mind that there is a difference between an undefined center and a completely open center, although they are both going to appear to be white. If there is a dormant gate within the white center, that means that there is a gate that like looks like it has an activation. It's got a circle around it and half of the channel coming off of it is going to look like it's defined. But if the center is white, then that is a dormant gate. Those dormant gates will hang out and wait to be sparked by an electromagnetic connection through the gate at the other end of the channel when you interact with the aura of another person that has that definition. But we're not going to talk about that today. A completely open center will have no dormant gates within it. 
For the purpose of today's episode, it's enough to know that if you have a defined center, which is colored in, then that center is a hub of consistent energy for you. And if the center is undefined or completely open, then it is an area of vulnerability to outside influence as well as an opportunity for learning. Got it? Then let's discuss the themes and functions of each center, starting from the top of the body graph. First up is the head center, which is the triangle pointing up at the very top of the body graph. The themes of the head center include mental pressure, inspiration, questions, doubts, and confusion. The head center functions as the pressure to think and to make sense of things in the world. This is one of two pressure centers, along with the root, which is at the very bottom of the graph. Pressure centers are designed to push the energy in the chart toward the three awareness centers. For the head in particular, it is pushing energy to the Ajna center just beneath it. The head's function is to ask the question, and the Ajna's function is going to be to conceptualize an answer. Don't worry, we'll talk about the Ajna more in a little bit, but again, it's very important to understand the mechanics of the centers. So the head has pressure that is being pushed down into the Ajna center just beneath it. 30% of the population has a defined head center, and the other 70% of the population has an undefined head center. Those with defined head centers have a fixed way of thinking and experience consistent mental pressure to understand things. Dealing with this persistent pressure can sometimes be difficult and heighten mental anxiety in those with defined head centers. Defined centers are created by a consistent channel of energy flowing between the two hubs. So the Ajna is the only center connected to the head center. And so if your head is defined, then your Ajna is automatically defined as well because there will be a channel running through them to create that definition. It is natural for those with defined head and Ajna centers to feel as if they are under constant pressure to resolve their thought processes and to understand their own inspiration. But it is important to learn how to accept this mental pressure without always trying to act on it or escape it. And when you embrace this, the defined head center can be an endless source of inspiration, thought-provoking questions, and answers capable of uplifting and empowering others. As I talk about all of the centers, I want to be able to highlight the many gifts of them as well as potential pitfalls that you can fall into. So that's how we're going to be talking about each of these. Now let's talk about the undefined head. Again, lack of definition does not mean that a center is empty or that it's broken. Just because you have an undefined head doesn't mean that you have a literal empty head incapable of thought. It simply means that those with an undefined head center will have no fixed, consistent way in which they process mental information. So the key to maintaining mental health for an undefined head center is to remain a detached observer of your thoughts rather than getting attached to any fixed way of thinking because you're not designed to have a fixed way of thinking like those with defined heads are. But like I said before, being around defined heads has a way of creating pressure on the undefined head centers to think. Again, definition will place pressure on those around them that have openness in that center. 
So it is essential for people with undefined head centers to recognize that this pressure does not belong to you and you do not need to act on it. When you succumb to the pressure to think, you will find yourself in the not-self. Each center has its own not-self question that you can ask if you have the center undefined that will help you understand, am I in my true self or am I in my not-self? So the not-self question for the undefined head is, am I trying to answer everybody else's questions? Learn to recognize this question as a signpost. If you're asking yourself that question and the answer is, yes, you are trying to answer everybody else's questions, then you have strayed into the not-self and it's time to remind yourself that the pressure to think does not belong to you, but it belongs to those around you. When healthy, the beautiful potential of the undefined head center is to wonder and explore all of the many mysteries of life. They are quite literally open-minded and are open to new insights and receiving inspiration from those around them. They can enjoy the pressure to know more about something without feeling that compulsive need to resolve this pressure. Just beneath it, we have the Ajna Center. So the themes of the Ajna Center include mental consciousness, conceptualizing, interpreting answers, concepts, and theories. As I previously mentioned, the Ajna Center is one of three awareness centers, which all relate to consciousness in some way. The Ajna Center's role is mind consciousness. The other two awareness centers are the Splenic Center, whose role is body consciousness, and the Solar Plexus Center, whose role is spirit consciousness. It's through these three awareness centers that we become conscious to our human experience, whereas the other six centers are purely mechanical in nature, and they operate below our conscious awareness. We will talk more about the spleen and solar plexus later in today's episode, but for now, it's important to note that the Ajna handles mental intelligence and that the head and Ajna centers function together as what we think of as the mind. The Ajna is a processing hub that transforms the inspiration from the head center into useful information for contemplation and communication. The value of the Ajna's mental intelligence lies in its analytical gifts and its ability to help us share information with and empower others through our unique perspective. After all, human beings are here to engage with one another and the Ajna assists us with this. It is worth noting that each of the three awareness centers is prone to fear. So how this shows up in the Ajna Center is through a fear of being misunderstood or a fear of not knowing something. And this can be expressed as mental anxiety. These fears are natural and they are healthy to the extent that they drive us to better understand our ideas and communicate them clearly. These fears are part of the human experience and will be present for anyone regardless of whether their Ajna center is defined or undefined. And speaking of definition, 47% of the population has a defined Ajna and 53% of the population has an undefined Ajna. Those with defined Ajna centers are consistent in the way they conceptualize and their minds are powerhouses for processing data. They are always thinking, 
always processing and they enjoy mental stimulation, but at times it can be difficult to relax because they can't stop their mental activity. The Ajna lies between the head and the throat center. The throat center is that square box just beneath it. We'll discuss the throat center in greater detail in a couple of minutes, but for now it is important to note that the throat is the center for communication and manifestation. So when a person has their Ajna and their throat both defined, it is easy for them to express their ideas and bring them to life. But if the head and the Ajna are both defined, but the throat is undefined, then the pressure of the mental processes of these two centers can get trapped without the ability to express itself. So regardless of definition in the throat center, defined ajnas have a tendency to be headstrong in making decisions from their mind. And if they become overly reliant on this, then they can waste a lot of energy ruminating on old thoughts that circulate in their mind. So if you have a defined ajna center, keep that in mind. When the ajna is undefined in a chart, so too is the head center undefined. Again, these people have truly open and flexible minds. As with all open centers, though, they can be vulnerable to conditioning and be pulled into the not-self. So the not-self question of the undefined ajna is, am I trying to convince everyone that I am certain? We are often conditioned from a young age, especially in our school system, to be certain about our ideas or perspectives in order to appear intelligent. Because again, awareness centers have fears located in them. So for fear of looking stupid, undefined ajnas might fall into the trap of pretending to be certain about things that don't matter and holding tightly to these ideas. And when you've been doing this from the time that you were a little kid, you might not even realize that you are doing this anymore because it's become so second nature. However, the beauty of the undefined ajna is that their mind operates in an inconsistent way. And because of this, your mind is like a playground. So the key to having a healthy undefined ajna is to learn how to avoid becoming attached to any particular concepts, ideas, or opinions, and to avoid trying to convince everyone that you are certain. It is fine to change your mind and is encouraged to do so for this design. Let's talk about the throat center. Themes of the throat center include communication, manifestation, metamorphosis, and transformation through interaction with the world. The throat center is very special because it is the only manifestation center in the chart. And what I mean by that is that all energy in the body graph is consistently being moved toward the throat through the other eight centers under the pressure to be communicated or acted upon. So that pressure is coming again from the two pressure centers, the head at the top and the root at the bottom. It's almost like that expression where all roads lead to Rome. All energy moves toward the throat, where it is given manifestation through our voice and our expression. The throat's primary function is manifestation through communication, and its secondary function is manifestation through action. Again, humans are designed to engage with and interact with one another, and our ability to communicate effectively with one another creates the single biggest impact in our interactions with others. But with so much pressure placed on the throat center to speak or act, we can find ourselves prone to acting 
or saying things the wrong way or at the wrong time. The most important thing to remember with the throat center is to use your strategy and authority to know when to speak or act, which will allow our words and actions to be received at their full impact without any confusion or resistance from the people around us. Again, we will dive into strategy and authority in future episodes, but it is worth filing away that little nugget of information for now. 72% of the population has a defined throat center, and 28% of the population has an undefined throat center. Let's talk about defined throat centers. Those with a defined throat have a consistent and reliable way in which they express themselves. Think of this as their voice. They may have one or more distinct voices, which is going to be derived from their unique mix of definition in the six of the nine centers that are attached to the throat through the channels around it. Again, because all energy flows to the throat, it is centrally located in the body graph and is connected to six different centers, the ajna, the solar plexus, the heart, the G, the sacral, and the splenic centers. Even though we haven't touched on all of these centers in greater depth yet, I want to share this piece of information because it is an important piece of understanding how you express yourself if you have a defined throat. So even though we're going to talk about these other centers in greater depth in a few moments, I recommend taking a peek at your chart right now, seeing where your definition is, and jotting down some notes to see which of these apply to you. So if you have a defined throat connected to the defined Ajna center, you speak and act from what the mind is thinking and conceptualizing. If you have a defined throat connected to the defined heart center, you speak and act from the I perspective, as in I want, I have, I will, I am, etc. If you have a defined throat connected to the defined solar plexus center, you speak and act on emotions or feelings. If you have a defined throat connected to the defined splenic center, you speak and act spontaneously from an intuitive knowing based on the moment of expression. If you have a defined throat connected to the defined sacral center, you speak and act on the responsive sound coming from your sacral motor. Don't worry, more on this in a bit. If you have a defined throat connected to the defined G center, you speak and act from your personal identity and direction. You can have a mix of these distinct voices depending on where you have definition in your chart. Those with undefined throat centers do not have a consistent way in which they express themselves. They often fear that they will not be noticed. And so the not-self theme of the undefined throat is trying to attract attention. Because of the pressure flowing from the other eight centers toward the throat, it can often feel like there is a pressure to speak or act even when you don't have something that needs to be expressed. When we act on this pressure, we can get ourselves into sticky situations because we are saying or doing things that might be received poorly by others because they weren't correct for us and we acted on the pressure. At one end of the spectrum, you may end up speaking or acting impulsively and finding yourself in these sticky situations often. Or at the other end of the spectrum, you may become fearful of opening your mouth at all if you've gotten yourself into too many sticky situations in the past. Healthy undefined throat centers will learn to resist this pressure and use their strategy and authority to speak or act only when it is necessary and correct for them to do so. This allows them to be seen and to receive the attention that they desire. 
It's important to remember that just because someone has an undefined throat, it does not mean that they do not have important and valuable things to say or contribute. They absolutely do. The healthiest approach for them, however, is to stop trying to control what they say because they are designed to speak spontaneously and to embody an array of voices and forms of expression. True wisdom will come from recognizing when they are speaking and acting from their truth rather than from pressure. To recognize if you're being influenced by the not-self-conditioning, it's going to be helpful to ask yourself, am I trying to attract attention before you speak or act? Now let's talk about the G-center. Beneath the throat center lies the G-center, so it looks like a box that's tipped on its side. Themes associated with the G-center are love, identity, and direction. Within the G-center sits the magnetic monopole. I mentioned it very briefly in the previous podcast episode, but the magnetic monopole is what binds your personality or conscious and design unconscious halves of our whole together, creating our identity. It also operates as our internal GPS, which is designed to keep us on our destined path. If you recall in the previous episode, I talked about passenger consciousness, but to sum up the previous episode quickly, we have our physical body, which is designed to operate as our vehicle through life. Our vehicle possesses the inherent wisdom of what is correct and good for us, and the magnetic monopole is the driver of the vehicle. It knows where we are supposed to go and how to get there and will guide us there when we follow our unique strategy and authority for our design. Our conscious mind is meant to be a passenger in this vehicle and to sit back and enjoy the scenery as we cruise through life. But problems arise for us because this passenger, our mind, has a tendency to try to hijack the vehicle and steer us in different directions without realizing that the magnetic monopole is the true driver and knows exactly where we are supposed to go. So living the experiment of your human design is all about relearning to trust that inherent wisdom of your vehicle and the magnetic monopole. 57% of the population has a defined G-center, and 43% of the population have this center undefined. Those with defined G-centers have a fixed and reliable self-identity. They're usually secure in their love for themselves, and they have at least a sense of their own correct direction or mission in life. And they often have a knack for helping other people identify new directions for themselves. Where they can struggle sometimes is that they may forget that not everyone is designed to go the same way that they are going, and they must remember to let other people be free to follow their own path. Those with undefined G-centers do not have a fixed identity. That might sound a little alarming at first, but it's part of your design and there is absolutely nothing wrong with this. These people have a fluid and flexible identity that allows them to adapt to the many people that they interact with. They can fit in anywhere, and they're designed to be initiated by the auras of other people into their many different ways of being. When unhealthy, the undefined G-center can experience a constant longing for identity. So the not-self question of the G-center is, am I looking for love and direction? Just because their G-Center is undefined does not mean that these people lack direction in life. They have their own internal direction finder, but it does operate differently from those with a defined G-Center. 
Place is essential for the undefined G-Center. They're designed to sample many places and to learn which environments are correct for them and which are incorrect, which they can determine through their sense of ease or unease in a particular place. So over time, a more comfortable sort of identity emerges for these individuals as they align themselves with the environments in which they feel at ease. Being in the correct environment is so important for them, and this will allow them to experience the people and opportunities that they are meant to experience. So instead of feeling lost, they can trust that they will continuously be shown the way when they align themselves to the correct environments. Next up is the heart center, which is slightly down and to the right of the G center. It's like a smaller little triangle. I do think it's worth noting here that the heart center has nothing to do with love. As you recall, love is one of the themes of the G center, which we just talked about. The heart center's themes include willpower, ego, and the material world. And so I've also heard it called the ego center, but its technical name is the heart center. So that's what we're going to call it here. The heart is the first of four motor centers that we will talk about. The other motors are the sacral, solar plexus, and root centers, which we'll talk about shortly. But it's important to note that the four motors are centers of energy that provide us with the fuel and resources needed to manifest our life. The heart center provides the motor energy behind the source of our willpower. Willpower and ego are two powerful forces that are immensely influential in the material aspect of our world. And when I say material aspects, I'm referencing things like money, business, living in harmony with the rest of the tribe through creating infrastructure, things like society and culture. This plays a big role in our feeling of stability versus instability. This center is where issues with self-esteem and self-worth can surface, or at the opposite end of the spectrum, where egos can become overly inflated. Only 37% of the population has a defined heart, whereas 63% of the population has this center undefined. If you have a defined heart center, you like to be in control of all aspects of your life and your resources. So this includes any demands on your time, when and where you work, how you physically express yourself through style, etc. Defined heart centers are great at recognizing their own value, although you may be prone to inflating your value at times. It is healthy for these individuals to exercise their willpower and should be careful to avoid people who do not allow them the opportunity to express their willpower in healthy ways. In our society, we tend to value people who are accommodating, but it is unhealthy for heart-defined individuals to suppress their natural ego energy. They're naturally competitive, and this is healthy for them. Again, there is no good or bad in human design. There is simply how the energy works, and these people are quite literally designed to be competitive, to be a little egocentric, and to have healthy willpower. However, Balance must be found in finding ways to naturally express your ego energy without being forceful toward others. So for these individuals, it is especially affirming to their self-esteem when they make promises and then use their willpower to keep them. Those with undefined heart centers are not designed to be willful and competitive, and yet not self-conditioning often makes them feel as if there is something wrong with them for lacking willpower. But 
There is nothing wrong with them. They simply lack the consistent energy to exert willpower because they don't have this motor defined. So they don't have consistent access to this fuel. Hustle culture is especially detrimental to those with undefined heart centers. They are constantly receiving messages that they are supposed to make more, do more, and be more. And each time they fail to live up to these unrealistic expectations, their self-esteem takes a hit. So the not-self question of the undefined heart center is, do I think I have something to prove? I have an open heart center and I have struggled with this so much in my life. So if you deal with something like this, I totally feel you. Those who are operating from the not-self of their undefined heart center often find themselves overachieving as an attempt to prove themselves worthy. It is so important for these individuals to know that they are inherently worthy just as they are. They have nothing to prove to anyone. And when they realize this, they will finally experience the healthy sense of self-esteem and worthiness that they were seeking for so long through these unhealthy means. Now let's talk about the splenic center, which is the triangle pointing right at the bottom left corner of the body graph. The splenic center is one of the three awareness centers. We already covered the mental intelligence of the Ajna center. The splenic center is responsible for body intelligence. So the themes of this center are body consciousness, spontaneity, health and well-being, values, and the immune system. The spleen is the oldest and most primal of our three awareness centers. It is responsible for our survival because its awareness is rooted in the current moment of our environment around us. It remains forever alert to anything that threatens our well-being and our environment, be it physical or emotional. Our instincts and intuition are based in the splenic center's body awareness. And ironically, even though it is attuned to life and death, it is actually the weakest of the three awareness centers. And so it speaks to us in quiet whispers. 55% of the population has a defined splenic center. 45% of the population have it undefined. If you have a defined spleen, the most important thing for the well-being of this person is to learn to get in tune with the spleen's subtle messaging system rather than listening to the loud thinking of the mind. Because the spleen's awareness is rooted in the now, it does not repeat its first alarm. If we don't pay close enough attention, we can miss the signals that it is sending us. Imagine a deer in the woods when it hears a twig snap it recognizes danger and it immediately bolts. It does not wait around to see if something is, in fact, dangerous. It trusts its instincts and it responds accordingly. And that is exactly what people with a defined splenic center are designed to do. Learning to attune to the intuitive nudges of the splenic center and most importantly, trusting those nudges and acting on them quickly produces a consistent and reliable state of excellent well-being and health for these individuals. And this can be hard for us to do because many of us have spent years overriding our body's intuitive knowing, but it is an essential skill for defined splenic centers to develop. Now, if you have an undefined splenic center, the not-self theme of the undefined spleen is primal fear. Those with an undefined spleen may subconsciously fear that they are not equipped to survive in this world and can be very sensitive to the lack of well-being in the world around them and in themselves. 
In order to achieve well-being, it's important that those with an undefined spleen learn to face their fears directly rather than becoming overwhelmed by them. Again, think of the deer. If it becomes overwhelmed by its fear, then it's going to be dinner for a predator, whereas if it responds accordingly to its fear, then it's going to stay safe. Because of their fear, undefined splenic centers can be prone to holding onto things that are not good for them in order to achieve a sense of security, even if it is a false one. The not-self question for the center can be framed by the question, am I holding on to what isn't good for me? Unlike defined splenic centers who are designed to be spontaneous, those with an undefined splenic center should avoid spontaneous decisions, of course, except in harmful or threatening situations. It is important to note that an undefined splenic center does still have access to their instinctual and intuitive awareness. The difference is that it's not a driving force for them, as it is with defined spleens. So, as I've said before, openness is an opportunity for wisdom, and those with undefined spleens have the potential to become highly intuitive themselves when they learn how to tune into the instinct of their spleen without relying on it as a reliable resource for making decisions. In fact, undefined splenic centers often have the capacity to become great healers when they become attuned to this wisdom because they are so sensitive to recognizing well-being or lack of well-being in the aura of others around them. Next up is the sacral center, which is the box to the right of the splenic center. The sacral center is one of the four motors, and it holds an enormous amount of power. This motor is what generates life force energy, and the themes of the center include the power of fertility, vital energy, responsiveness, availability, and sexuality. This center is unique not only because of its ability to generate life force energy, but also because it is designed to respond directly to life and what is being asked of it in the now moment. I'm going to go deeper into this piece when we talk about defined sacrals, but it is worth noting that anyone with a defined sacral center is a generator by type. We'll talk about the types more extensively in a later episode, but I want you to keep in mind that manifesting generators and pure generators both belong to the generator type. There's a lot of misinformation about this out there on the internet. And so if you've already done some investigation into your own chart, I want you to be aware that a manifesting generator and a pure generator are both part of the generator type. Ra-Uruhu used to say a generator is a generator is a generator. Okay. 66% of the world has a defined sacral center with only 34% having an undefined sacral center. Those with a defined sacral center are the custodians of an enormous source of power. The sacral motor generates energy that buzzes within their core and gives them a vitality that can sometimes be experienced as restlessness. It is essential that these beings find ways to use their daily supply of energy in ways that are deeply satisfying for them. The most important thing to know about the defined sacral center is that it has the ability to communicate its moment-to-moment -moment energetic availability through its own response system in the form of guttural sounds. When I say guttural sounds, I mean think uh-huh for yes or uh-uh for no. This could also be experienced as a pulling sensation toward or away from something, depending on whether it feels aligned or not. So it could be an expansive feeling or a contractive feeling. 
Sacral beings are designed to follow their sacral response system in all decisions, as the sacral response is constantly letting them know whether they do or do not have the energy available for something. This response system is a reliable source of truth, regardless of the question being asked. It could be as simple as, are you hungry for dinner now? Or as big as, do you want to accept this job offer? The important thing is learning to trust the response that it gives you. The response does not need to make logical sense to the mind. It is trustworthy all the same and should be heeded. When sacral beings fail to follow their response, they end up in situations that are not aligned for them or that they don't have the energy to complete and they end up feeling frustrated and they're unable to follow through. It's also important to understand that because they are designed to respond to life, defined sacral beings are not meant to initiate. Initiating breaks this connection to their sacral response and can lead to more frustration. Those with an undefined sacral center have an inconsistent energy flow. They are very vulnerable to conditioning from those with defined sacral centers because the majority of people have defined sacrals and the power of the sacral motor is such an intense buzz that it can be overwhelming to be surrounded by all of this energy when you have an undefined sacral. These individuals may try to run on the borrowed energy of the sacral beings around them and end up exhausted and overextended and burnt out. Because of this, the not-self theme for undefined sacrals is not knowing when enough is enough. It is healthier for these individuals to learn how to have strong boundaries and to not place pressure on themselves to have consistent access to generative energy. They need to learn to trust their own energy levels and to take time to rest when needed. The question to ask yourself if you're not sure if you're dealing with the not-self or if you're in your true self is, do I know when enough is enough? Next up is the solar plexus center, which is to the right of the sacral center. It's a triangle that's like pointing left inward towards the sacral. And the solar plexus center is the last of the three awareness centers. And it's also one of the four motors in the body graph. So it is both an awareness center and a motor. As an awareness center, it is responsible for emotional and spirit intelligence in the form of relational and social awareness. As a motor center, it drives desire for more experiences, for intimacy in relationships, and for spirit awareness. The themes of the solar plexus include spirit consciousness, emotional and social awareness, passion, desire, feelings, moods, sensitivity, and its function is to allow us to gain a sense of emotional clarity and well-being. The mechanics of the solar plexus center are unique in that its motor energy operates in an oscillating wave of energy over a period of time. The frequencies of that emotional wave can differ based on where the activations are in your defined solar plexus, but I don't want to dive too deep into that because it's outside of the scope of this episode. Suffice to say that this wave pattern takes us from one end of the emotional spectrum to the other and is experienced as feelings, needs, and desires. This emotional wave only plays out in those with defined solar plexus centers, but even those with undefined solar plexus centers are subject to the waves of those around them. They're very powerful. For anyone, regardless of definition, it is important not to identify with the wave or its fluctuations but to be an objective observer and wait to ride out the wave. 
This will be important in the next episode when we discuss authorities. 53% of the population have a defined solar plexus and 47% of the population have an undefined solar plexus center. People with defined solar plexus centers are emotional beings whose feelings are their definitive guide in life. It's very important for those with defined solar plexus centers to recognize that for them, there is no truth in the now. Instead, truth is revealed over time by riding their emotional wave. These people are designed to wait through the ups and downs of the emotional wave before making decisions, although it can be hard for them to be patient. Oftentimes, these individuals want to jump into something at the high point of the wave when they're feeling really excited and jump out at the low point of the wave when they're feeling not excited. But if they wait to act until they have fully experienced their wave of emotion and the emotional charge has then dissipated, that is when they will end up making decisions from a place of clarity and truth. If you have an undefined solar plexus, then you are going to be very vulnerable to the conditioning of those with a defined solar plexus because the energy of the emotional waves of the defined solar plexus are amplified by your openness. Ironically, people with emotional definition tend not to recognize their own emotionality, whereas those who are undefined are often conditioned to believe that they are actually the moody or emotional ones when it's actually the other way around. It is very important for those who are emotionally undefined to know that the emotions that they are feeling and expressing are not entirely their own. They're going to be very empathic to the emotions of people around them, and they can protect themselves by learning not to identify with emotions. Without this protection, they are going to bounce up and down on the emotional waves of all of the auras around them. It is important to note that the full range of human emotion is accessible to all humans, regardless of whether their solar plexus is defined or undefined. But for emotions to be a beautiful experience rather than a perplexing or painful experience for the undefined solar plexus center, then they must learn not to identify with emotions. This will in turn help them make decisions from their own personal authority and let them avoid making emotional decisions which they are not designed to do. They are naturally actually very emotionally cool. And a good signpost that you're being conditioned by the auras of those around you is when you begin to feel uncomfortable emotionally. This is a sign to take some time alone to release any emotional conditioning that you have taken in. The not-self question for the center is, am I avoiding confrontation or truth? Because confrontation makes emotionally undefined people very nervous. Becoming healthy in this area requires practice and learning to speak their own truth. Okay, we have surpassed the hour mark at this point, but we've only got one more center to go. So let's do it. We are going to talk about the root center, which is at the very bottom of your chart. This is the second of the two pressure centers. You will remember that the head center at the top of the chart is the other pressure center. So the head and the root act like a pressure sandwich, pushing energy through the body graph toward the throat center for expression and manifestation. The root center is also the fourth and final motor in the chart. So it's a pressure center and a motor. This is a potent and powerful motor. The pressure and energy in the center provides us with the drive to stay alive and the momentum to keep going. Themes of this center include physical adrenalized pressure to sustain momentum for living, 
as well as stress. Stress in this context simply means fuel, and it's neither good nor bad. This fuel energizes us to master the situations that we encounter in life in order to sustain our momentum for progress. If we don't understand the mechanics of the pressure from the root center on our body, then two things could happen. The first is that we can easily push ourselves too hard, and the second is that we can turn this pressure inward, resulting in depression. We want to find the healthy, sweet spot between too much or too little stress in order to stay healthy and happy. 60% of the population has a defined root center, and the other 40% of the population has an undefined root center. Those with a defined root center have a fixed and particular way of dealing with stress and the pressure to move ahead in the world. How this shows up in your life is going to depend on the nearby center that your root is connected to through a defined channel. This could be the splenic, sacral, or solar plexus centers, or some combination of the three. If your root center is defined to the splenic center, you will have a fixed way of dealing with the pressure to survive, and this motor will fuel your body awareness. If your root center is defined to your sacral center, you will have a fixed way of living your life through your unique sacral response. These are called format energies, and they're very powerful. Their influence permeates your entire design and also wields a significant influence on the people who come into contact with you. If your root center is defined to the solar plexus, you will have a fixed way of dealing with emotional stress, and this motor will fuel your emotional awareness. When out of alignment, those with defined root centers can succumb to the internal pressure and experience health issues, or might find themselves projecting this pressure onto others around them in the form of unreasonable expectations. Those with an undefined root center absorb stress from their environment, and they are vulnerable to the pressures placed on them by those around them who have a defined root. When in the not-self, this amplified pressure can result in rushing around, taking on too many tasks, and trying to resolve a pressure that cannot be resolved by them. This results in an unsustainable cycle that leads to burnout. Their design is not equipped to sustain the pressure of the root center for too long. So it is key for them to understand that the pressure they feel is not their own and to find ways to avoid feeling overwhelmed by it. Nature, time alone, and breath work can be very healing for those with undefined root centers. They quite literally need to ground back into their root. True wisdom for an undefined root center comes when they learn not to identify with the pressure being placed on them by others, and the question to ask when trying to understand if you are experiencing the not-self in this center is, am I in a hurry to get things done so I can be free of pressure? Oh my god, we did it. All nine centers, that's the tea. I just had to stop so many times to take a big gulp of water and just like take a breath because there was so much to cover in this episode, but I really hope that it was done in a way that was accessible to you because there is always a fine line between having enough information to truly understand how the mechanics of the system work, but not getting too in the weeds where it feels like you are being bombarded with information and you can't actually take any of it in. I often find that in the online space, people are really oversimplifying the centers and the mechanics of how energy flows through the body graph. And so 
I did really want to go in depth here because I think it's very important to understand this foundational piece of the human design system before we dive deeper into the other areas of the chart. And truly, my goal at the end of this series of podcast episodes is to empower you to feel like you truly understand your design. So I hope that came through in this episode. Make sure you come back next week because we are going to be talking about authority and how to leverage that in your life. So in your chart on the right-hand side, it's going to tell you what your authority is. So file that piece of information away and make sure you bring it to the next episode, which will be dropping next Friday. I hope that you found value in this episode, and I hope that you are just as excited as I am about learning more about human design. Again, if you have something else that you want to make sure gets covered in the Human Design for Beginners series, shoot me a message over on Instagram at litup underscore AF, and I can't wait to go deeper with you in next week's episode. I love you so, so, so much. I hope you have a fantastic weekend, and I'll see you next Friday. Love you. Bye. If today's episode lit you up in any way, please consider sharing it with a friend or loved one you feel would benefit. If you want to continue the conversation on today's topic, I would love to hear from you over on Instagram at litup underscore AF. Lastly, I would so appreciate it if you left a rating and review for the podcast to help it reach more listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you found value in today's episode. I'll be back next week. Love you. Bye.